film is a sort of dreamscape. You get this kind of groundless passion. That's an interesting phrase. Yeah. This conversation mentions eating disorders in detail. If you'd prefer not to listen to that, skip the section from 12 minutes to 20 minutes. Uh, good evening, everyone, um, and welcome to the first ever The Town Hall. Um, thank you guys for all coming. I know it's really hot outside, or getting to that point at least. Um, and you guys have had long days at work. Um, I'm joined here by someone who I've been a fan of for so long. Um, so put your hands together for Shaylingo. Now, Shaylingo and I actually go years back. Um, I had a Hype Beast column in 2019, and he was one of the first rappers that I spotlighted on there just because of his prolific kind of storytelling, his poetic edge, his fashion eye as well, which we'll get into a bit later, and also just his commitment to community. And that is why he is the inaugural guest on this platform. A bit more before we get started with Shay about what the town hall centers and what it actually is. It is a communal based conversation platform started with the ICA. Thank you to Joe, um, who helped me um, ideate and go through this process for the last six months. Um, it centers artists and rappers and cultural kind of purveyors in the city. And it kind of tells their story not only across music, but across art at large as well. Um, and we're looking to develop it across the next year as well. So yeah, expect to see more where this has kind of come from. Now, Shay, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone and what you want them to know about you before we kind of get cracking. Hello, everyone. Um, my name's Shay Lingo, um, and I create things. That's kind of it, do you know what I mean? I create things. I'm sure a lot of you have heard my previous album, The Worst Generation, this next one coming up, coming up for air. Um, and I find that creativity over time for me is like a, a way to create space for people to be seen, you know what I'm saying? And I, I use my music and I use my situations and the things that make me feel in extreme ways to articulate my music and my lyrics and things like that. And you lot messed with it, so thank you. <laughs> I think Shay's been a bit shy here because his music has not only traveled across kind of your ears, um, but it's traveled across the country and across Europe and what the world at large. He's actually got a tour coming up starting next week. 17 dates um, across places like London, Berlin, France. Um, and I know you've like recently wrapped that up, right? Like you recently wrapped up preparation. Yeah, we just wrapped up preparations for the tour. It's um, yeah, 17 dates. Um, plus some like Soho House stuff and all that. And yeah, it's going to be a good tour. Obviously, I'm touring this album and it's also kind of a TWG Redemption tour as well. So you're going to hear a lot of stuff from that, that album on there um, and a lot of new stuff that I hope you lot still mess with. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you say Redemption album, um, obviously The Worst Generation, your debut album came out in 2020. And I know we were speaking because I actually did the biography for this album that's coming up, um, coming up for air. And I know you spoke about redemption a lot then too. So releasing an album during the pandemic, obviously this was towards Q4 of the pandemic, the first lockdown um, after summer, eat out to help out, all of that. And um, 
I know that it must have been hard as an artist to release an album during that time. Mm. And when we discussed it, I know you spoke about having a sense of the unknown in terms of coming back out into the world. We actually saw each other again at the Guap Gala um, last year. Sick event. Yeah. And um, I know that you mentioned not knowing the traction that had come, especially with songs like My Block, which for for better actually became one of the kind of songs of Black Lives Matter in the UK. Loads of people kind of played it. Um, and although it was about your friend Julian, um, and an intentional kind of release, it wasn't performative, it still kind of, it gained all of that height and that traction, but for you to speak about not knowing that the outside world's reaction and reception to the wider album, um, that must have been hard for you. So I wanna, I wanna ask you firstly, with that first album, that debut, coming back out, me speaking to you at the Guap Gala and everything, how did you navigate that kind of relationship with coming back outside and hearing that retrospective love? Um, well, firstly, a lot of this is on coming up for air because of the fact that um, I use TWG to narrate my environment as like a non-gang-affiliated rapper, like a non-road rapper. Um, and I use it to navigate that environment, knowing I've got friends that are in survival mode and have to do what they have to do to feed their families, and not everyone agrees with that. But then also there's a dynamic that you have with people that you grew up with and you watch them change and you watch them grow into different types of people like we all do. Do you know what I mean? We grow and we change. And But the majority of us are just working regular jobs and doing normal, regular things and just navigating our lives and getting on with what we have to get on with. And I wanted TWG to highlight that. Do you get me? Like not being able to see my friends for weeks and months on end, do you know what I mean? Not being able to kind of unpack these things with the people that um, that they affect or that they involve, like how I speak on dark days about my relationship with my mom and my grandma and my dad and things like that. And these are stories that I find affect me and I've been through and I've experienced personally firsthand. Um, but they're also things that I feel like are reflected in a lot of our stories. So... I just wanted to make sure that with TWG, I set up the environment of coming up for air. I wanted to set up the, the kind of effects that environment can have in real time, which is essentially what it was. So coming back out for like Guap Gala and other parties and things like that and events and things that celebrate the culture was important, but it was also like a little bit, it was a little bit unnerving because I didn't, I didn't get to tour TWG because of the lockdown and stuff. So I didn't get to look in, look in people's faces like this, do you know what I mean? And actually see them and see how much joy or how deeply they felt the lyrics or who knows the lyrics like word for word or how that, how that would affect the world. I didn't get to see how the work that I'd created over that period of years had affected the world in, in, first-hand, in a first-hand situation. So it was, it was a little bit difficult. I won't lie, it was a little bit difficult, but... Like, I, run at, I try my best to run at difficult things. Do you get me? Because that's how you grow. And I'm, I'm more passionate about growing than I am about, like, being comfortable. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, you spoke about being unnerved as well. Um, and it's weird, right? Because I saw you, but then 
it felt like I saw that you'd been through a lot, like a lot had gone through. And I, I, I remember asking you, like, are you, are you okay? Like outside the music, like yeah, yeah, what's yeah. going on? Are you Thank good? Thank you for that as well. No, it's fine. I, I didn't do that for like the love or anything, but like genuinely just as someone who I've watched grow in this industry for so many years, um, there was a lot I saw in your eyes and you're, you're an introspective kind of rapper as well. So the, and someone who speaks about their real life, it's not a caricature or it's not exaggerated, it's actually your real life, like what's on wax is what happened, which we'll get into later. Um, so I wanted to just check in on if you were okay. So navigating those social environments, I know I felt social anxiety for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, sometimes not even knowing how to start a conversation from being a conversationalist, like prior to the pandemic, yeah. by, by being a journalist, like some of the Zoom interviews, you know, that like had to get into my groove again, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, being out in the real world again. So for you, how did you mitigate or manage, I say, that, um, that social anxiety or anxiety at large? To be honest, I think it was, it was a lot, as much as it was a little bit unnerving, it was a lot easier to navigate when you compare it to the things that had actually happened to me in that period of time. Like I lost my grandma in 2020, April 13th. 11.37 in the morning, I got a message from my cousin saying that she wasn't here anymore. Um, and obviously, I hadn't written my radio by that point, And we'd tried to call each other maybe five times each. So 10 exchanges of phone calls not answered before sat that, that morning where I was told she wasn't here anymore. So there was that. And I tore my Achilles playing, playing basketball straight out of the first lockdown as well, which was like a mad injury to have because you never know if you're... It's famously known to be like a... You never know if you're, um, you're going to recover the fullest to the fullest. And even if... Even like top football players and sports, and sports people and athletes and that, that, that sustain that injury have to go... Have to pay like a ridiculous amount of money to see the same performance out of themselves and, and in the recovery and the, um, the, rehab, the, re, the rehabilitation or something like that. So being just a regular guy with with regular money do you know what I mean I didn't I was at the mercy of the NHS and when they decided and when they wanted so and with everything going on with COVID it was it was techie to kind of even just get my um, my ultrasound to see what was going on and then I spent like maybe four to six months on the boot whilst I was making TWG so I was spending ridiculous amounts of money on cabs because I just physically couldn't bring myself to walk it was exhausting just to walk do you get me and Obviously, it's the first time signing with, with Idris's label, so I wanted to make a good impression and make sure that we were ahead of, our, ahead of ourselves when we were releasing that project. So there was that. And then, obviously, mentally, I'm quite a fit person. Well, physically, I'm quite a fit person. Yeah. So it affected me quite badly mentally because like, I, used to, I used to box when I was younger. Um, this man here in the front can attest to that. He used to live in my state, so like, we grew up together. So I used to like... Go to the local, um, go to the local boxing gym and box a lot when I was younger, um, and I became a boxing coach for a little while as well. So, off the back of those things, like training was a big part. My physical health was a big part of what made me, what gave me the confidence to step outside and be the person that I am and be the artist that I am. Do you get me? And embody myself properly. So, being on the boot, not being able to train, not being able to physically utilize my full potential was very very draining and emotionally exhausting for me um, and it took me to a dark place because um, I gained a lot of weight and I stopped seeing myself or who I know myself to be um, and I was proud of what I felt and what I looked like before when I would look in the mirror because um, I've been training since I was young because I used to get bullied before that as well I was 
overweight. So I used to get a lot of flack for that when I was a kid between like maybe nine and 15, 16. And that created like a, a disparity in my mind about and a desperation to like kind of get back to where I was before, um, which unfortunately manifested into an eating disorder. So that was the, the next thing. Like I started to um, show signs of bulimia uh, just simply because I was so, I felt so guilty about the food I was eating after I came to a point where I'd, I'd solidified, I don't like how I look. I don't enjoy what I see in the mirror and I don't feel confident about myself at all inside or outside. Mm. And it trickles over into, it obviously trickled over into a lot of my real life because I was late for a lot of things because I just physically couldn't see myself properly. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm taking off clothes and trying them on and deciding, do I want to wear colours? Do I feel confident? All that kind of stuff. Very like deeply internal things. You know what I'm saying? So there was that. And that happened for a long time. Um, my partner at the time watched me go through that and tried to help me through that as well. Um, she also had, at that time, she also had like a digestive chronic disease. So, and I was helping her through that. She was in and out of hospital a lot that summer, maybe 21 times that summer, like about 20 times that summer. And any of those times, respective to her, she could have died. So it's like, I'm the partner of somebody who, could, who can't control this, this issue that they have with their body, this biological issue that they have with their body. And not only that, but I have to be strong for myself and them whilst I'm slowly deteriorating inside. And I'm, not, and I'm also not seeing myself, but you also don't want to center yourself because the, the physical things are a lot less uh, tangible, um, funnily enough, than the mental ones. You can talk the mental ones out, but you can't talk away the physical ones. You know what I mean? So I had to support her in that at the time. And then... Um, yeah, I would just had the weight of the album and just all the regular stuff, post-release anxiety and all that kind of stuff that artists have. And that made it difficult for me to feel like, especially during COVID, it was quite nerve-wracking because I didn't, again, I didn't know what the album was doing. I didn't really have a relationship with myself enough yeah. to like ground myself and say, yeah, okay, cool, I'm this artist. This is what I do. This is what people are going to read of my work. I can only speak my truth and yeah. just hope that it resonates and hope that we get an opportunity to tour it and people see themselves in it you mm. know what I mean so I navigated yeah. I was like I was just like fuck it like <laughs> do you know what I mean let me just let me just go back at it you know what I mean let me just go back at it like the motto is and the, my when I'm independent the label is the risk is proof so yeah. I just went to step out and just walk into the unknown and what may come may come thank you for one, being so transparent. I know we had conversations about bringing up the bulimia and um, mental health beyond depression and anxiety, um, which I think is important because I think it, there are so many nuances when you have so many friends and, and loved ones as well um, who actually interact with like, the healthcare systems and you realise what's going on. Um, and as we build up like a national conversation, an international conversation about mental health, um, there's such, such a long way to go. So thank you for bringing that up. And I know it obviously features on the album on Heart Race and um, with Winston, which we'll, we'll get into in a bit. But I want to delve into that then, the bulimia. And um, you as not only a man, but like a black man in London going through not only a pandemic, but a, a societal shift over here um, when it comes to race and everything, 
there's tumult, there's a tumultuous amount of pressure and then your album and you, you speak about the pressure of wanting to make Idris happy and wanting to make the label happy, wanting to make yourself happy. Um, navigating bulimia in particular um, at this juncture, how did you find the strength to tackle it head on and what support systems did you or those around you put in place to facilitate that? The first thing I had to do was admit it to myself. How did um, that look like? It, it was, the reason I knew it was an issue, at first I thought it was an intolerance to something that I was eating, like gluten or whatever the case may be. And then I realized that um, not only did I have um, like an issue with the guilt of the food, because that's kind of the nature of bulimia. You feel, you eat, then you feel the guilt, then the guilt consumes you, ironically. And then you, you feel such guilt that it consumes you and then you purge, which is making yourself throw up essentially and at first I thought I thought oh, I just don't feel well I just like the food I was eating I was cool but I realized at the time oh well I realized later I was also overeating um, and I guess that was kind of a way to compensate for the fact that I didn't really have the comfort that I felt when I was releasing other music because the music is so intrinsic to my life you know mm. what I mean so if the music goes left I feel like my life is going left I'm saying so within that the moment you start to, whether you notice it consciously or not, the moment you start to feel your life going left, you act out and you do things that you might not normally do or you pick up habits that you might not normally have had if things were going a little bit better. Um, so yeah, I guess over time I realised I was overeating um, and prior to that, like I said, I felt like it was an intolerance and then the moment I realised it wasn't an intolerance and I actually had a mental issue uh, with my relationship with food and what I would consume and the times I would consume it and the education I had around food as well was different at the time. Um, I was a lot more ignorant about what foods could do to your body um, and what, or what effects they could have on your body. Hence, they would explain the feelings that I was feeling like, extreme bloating and things like that. Um, and I realised it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, an intolerance because I, I had to have a real conversation with myself when I was about to purge and sometimes my sometimes my ex-partner would be, or my partner at the time, would be present when I would purge. Um, but she would kind of do her best to kind of deter me from doing so. But I realised it was an issue when I when I accepted that she could never stop me from doing it if I wanted to do it. Yeah. That was when I knew it was a problem. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's, I guess, how you register addictions as well. Um, so yeah, that was that was a difficult time. And... I kind of, there, was time, there were times when I would go out to eat with friends and like, yeah, yeah, I'm just going to the toilet. I'd throw up everything that I just ate at the end of the night and then come back and sit down like nothing happened. And obviously, it affects your organs, it affects your teeth, it affects everything, your mental, it makes you more fatigued. Um, it, creates, um, it creates drainage in your body that could, that could be fatal. So it was like something I, I was urgently, it was, and all the feelings are so urgent. So it's like the guilt, can come immediately or it can come three hours after you've already started to digest the food. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, techie, it's a techie thing to navigate and I, I kind of came out of it by writing this album um, and just admitting it to the world. And one of the first things I did when I, re when I made the decision I was going to put it on the album, I didn't know what the lyrics or the song were at that time. Um, but one of the things I did was I just told people close to me. I told my manager here, Lena, I told... Uh, one of my best friends, Manon, I told my mom, I told my grandma, 
Um, I told some of my best friends just when the time was appropriate. I was like, yo, like what's going on with you? And then I let them get off with it, wherever they needed to get off. And then I'll say, yo, I think I think I'm suffering from this right now. When I would like let off what I needed to let off to the people that I felt comfortable letting it off to, but I made sure I shared it first before I even wrote about it because that was the thing that made that made it real for me. Do you know what I'm saying? That made it real. Like I've said it out loud to somebody who, once the information has been absorbed by that person in that moment, I can't take it back now. Do you know what I mean? So now I have to deal with it because I can't take it back. Um, so that was the way that I kind of came to the conclusion of admitting it to myself and admitting it to the people around me that were close to me um, to a point where I can even be brave enough to say it to you lot. Do you know what I mean? Amazing. Again, thank you for being so open. Um, in relation to now, like where we're at now, obviously the album is complete. Um, you've admitted it to, you're about to admit it to the world, um, but you've admitted it here with us today as well. And then you admitted it to me, management, etc. Um Where are you, what's your relationship like with food now? And, way better. Yeah. Way better. Yeah, way, way, way better. Okay. Way better. And thank you for asking that. But it's like, it was all about education, more so than anything else. Like learning that, Certain vegetables have certain effects on you. Certain certain um, ways your body breaks down proteins have certain effects on you. There's different types of proteins you can get from different foods, which obviously, again, on a, on like a general essence, affects you differently. There's some plants that also have protein in them that you can eat instead of instead of the meat or the vegetables or the fruit that you might be eating. Fruit has a lot of sugars in it. Sugars attract fats, and fats cause fats and sugars cause bloating and and, and weight gain and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Whereas we're just told fruits and vegetables are healthy and meat is for protein and milk, anything dairy is, you get me, keeps your bones strong. And then we realized a lot of that stuff is like marketing plays or schemes or whatever the case may be. And some of that stuff isn't actually as healthy as people make it out to be or as society would tell you it is. You have to do your own research about how you want to feed yourself, you get me, and how you want to treat your body. And obviously there's exceptions to everything, do you know what I mean? But I, was, I wasn't happy with where I was in my life or what I could see of myself. That created like a dysmorphia issue. And then that dysmorphia issue created the, the urgency to want to get back to where I was before. And that urgency hit me in form of guilt every single time I would eat a meal bigger than my fist. So like my relationship with food now is different and better because just dare to educate myself about what the foods do to you and what times and studying my own body and studying how things affect me like I would eat at a certain time not eat past a certain time drink teas like to break down the foods quicker and stay away from certain things like sugars and whatever the case may be just to kind of give myself a little bit more of a chance at understanding how how things affect my body and really taking a note of that no one would know that though do you know what I mean for it's sure. just I'm just navigating and eating and then deciding oh do you what should we go get some snacks now I'm good do you know what I mean like little things like that where I've internalized the discipline I need to have around food and I just have to practice that um even if I and obviously sometimes I'm with people I haven't told in it so sure. I'm just having to like really practice that but the only reason I was able to make that jump and make that transition into things being a lot better was because I had music not a lot of people have music mm -hmm. so it's like I want to use the thing that I love to service the people that might need it. 
And using that thing that I love and servicing the people sometimes comes at the expense of your personal life. You get me? And the sure. things, the things you, but you only, and the bravery comes from the ability to be able to see that it might help somebody else because they might not, they might just work a regular nine to five that they don't like or, do you know what I mean? And they might have ways that their world is crumbling as well. So that's what essentially, that was the reason and, and also the therapy for me. Do you know what I mean? To be able yeah. to kind of make that jump back into, into being a bit more healthy and a bit more intentional about how I'm, how I'm eating and how I'm treating my body. And then obviously when my leg got better a, lot, a little bit after that, I started, not immediately, but I started training again slowly. Yeah. Um, and I felt, I felt a lot better about myself. I felt a lot better about my place in the world. It all starts inside. Do you know what I mean? So mm. all of those things made it, made it easier. But sometimes you can notice some things and not notice others. Yeah. So... Yeah, it was a difficult thing to kind of have to be switched onto at all times. Do you get me? What is affecting my mood in a certain way that makes me want to eat? Am I am I overeating because I'm because I'm bored because my album's done now? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. is there work I need to pick up? Is there do I need to busy myself? Do you know what I mean? Things like that, and just kind of utilizing my time in a better way. Amazing. Um, you just noted your place in the world. Um, and your place as an artist is obviously we've introduced you, but you're someone over here with obviously immense success. Um, otherwise, you know, the likes of Idris would sign you, Queen would, you know, give you um, the sample, which we'll talk about. Um, or peers like Koji Radical and yourself wouldn't have built this kind of ecosystem and helped to build part of this ecosystem, which makes up the new vanguard of kind of rappers. Um, you were just at Little Sims, and it's a Little Sims event last week as well, um, with the likes of Kadiata and all of that. Um, as someone who has covered you for, I'd, I'd say about five years at this point, but known about you for about seven, um, I want to ask you about positioning in the UK, right? Because we've seen, obviously, an immense amount of growth in that terrain in terms of at one point, it was just grime rappers, you know, being spoken about, um, I think, at the Brit Awards performance. Um, at other points, it was this tension of the alt versus the, the grime community. At this point, we're at an intersection where drill, um, rappers who participate in UK hip-hop and grime rappers coexist, um, at least how I see it. There's still a place to go, but um, I feel like there's, a, there's the breadth of rappers um, at least at a visible level or a hyper-visible level over here and internationally. I want to ask you about your positioning and how you see yourself within the UK space in 2023. I don't. I don't think about where my position is really too tough. Um, I'm just excited about being able to create and make a living of creating. Do you know what sure. I mean? Like I get, to, I get to wake up in the morning... And I'm so grateful, do you get me? I get to wake up in the morning and have and make a decision about something I want to create and then go to the people that I trust with my ideas and my visions and my art and build plans to make that real, do you get me? Sometimes I can be a bit impatient, but like you get to, I get to create things, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I get to, and things that I, I, I hope will help people and have helped people, like I've had... I've had letters from people and emails, long ones, um, that I've read more than one time um, over the past maybe two or three years since, since uh, T uh, TWG dropped, of people saying, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Make Me Free, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for, for like dark days. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Just songs that I wrote because I felt like I needed to get things off me 
and or things I felt were like weighing me down or things I felt just needed to be said because I'd experienced them as well and I know other people have, do you know what I mean? So I think for the most part, it was, how do I explain it? It was, yeah. It's been it's been an interesting it's been an interesting journey to like navigate that space and do it the way that I want to do it, rather than look at myself as like, oh, I'm this position in this playlist and I'm this person to that person and whatever. It's like, bro, yeah. You only focus on like I said it on Bob and for apples. Um, like I always tell my brothers to go where the love is, but I can't not practice that myself. You get me? Like you're always told like you're pushed. And 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 um, forced to some extent to care about people that don't care about you. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And may never care about you, and always have the decision to like listen to you passively or whatever the case may be. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Which is fine. I ain't got. I always appreciate anyone that listens, but see the people that actually genuinely act and support. Those are the people that I care about fiercely. Those are the people that make up my community. Because not everyone is going to be your fan. There's We've all seen the video of Jay-Z on the train and no one, the old woman doesn't know who he is. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, if that can happen to him, regardless of the age difference, if yeah. that can happen to him, who the fuck am I to like be upset about my position in the world or, or my position in music? Like yeah. I'm just here to do a thing and I don't care about what position they think I should have in this thing. Mm-hmm. There's people that are actively getting positive, like gaining positive effect out of what I do. And we can we can do cool shit together in our own corner until mm. it becomes a popular thing, and then yeah. we can just enjoy it more because there'll be there'll be more facilities, more money, more more um, opportunity to to do this thing. I always think to myself like, the bigger the opportunity, the more from zero it needs to come from, the more from instinct it needs to come from because it's it's that place that I write music from, and it's that place that I guess brought you all here. Do you know what I mean? That that honesty, that rawness, that that understanding, that articulation, the things that make me who I am as an artist. And I find that worrying about or trying or concerning myself too much with what position I hold in, in the UK scene or whatever the case may be is, is, never, is never really a positive thing, especially when you tie in social media mm. and all these other things that can create pressures when you don't know how to navigate that space or you don't have a network of people that you can rely on so you don't have to think about that stuff because they're helping you pattern, some of which are in this room right now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just, I don't really, I don't really look at that stuff too yeah. tough and I try my best not to concern myself with it when it's necessary because I've been here for a good part of eight years and I've never charted but we can get a room full of people to come and sit down and listen to us talk. Do you get me? I can do a tour. I can still do the things that make me an artist. And the moment that that changes and things elevate and grow and blow or whatever the case may be, will come. You get me? But that's where the risk is proof and my faith in God comes. You get me? Like I just, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm, I know that I'm doing what I love. And I know I need to desperately make sure that I'm giving the best part of myself and using that talent and that gift to service the world in some way. And if I'm not doing that, I'm worrying about my ego. And that's, you can never write good music from that place. Yeah. Um, in terms of that little corner, though, that you said, or that quite big corner now, actually, to be honest, um, of where you create music and stuff, do you feel like it's accurately labelled. I've spoken to Cads about this, Cadiata, um, a producer who 
you know, you know and love. Um, Caddyart's my brother. Go listen to his music if you don't know who he is. <laughs> yeah, good plug. Um, as well as Koji as well, when I interviewed him last year for um, GQ, he spoke about that universe and said his, his response was like, F it, like, as well. Um, I want to ask you if it even is alt, because me listening to you guys' music, it's hip-hop. Yeah. Right, it's not so old. It's, it's like, intrinsically hip hop, and yeah. every everywhere else in the world is hip hop. Like anywhere else, we go, we go as UK artists to like express ourselves in form of rap. It's basically hip hop. It's not. It's not. It's basically hip hop. Not like apparently or or technically or none of that. It's hip hop at its core. Even more so than I guess what what we're calling hip hop here now. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's just the territorial nuance more so than more so than a natural like, live old fact, you know what I'm saying? Because if I go and stand on a New York street corner and spit bobbing for apples, that's not old. <laughs> that's hip-hop, you know what I mean? If in the same way that I was standing on my block corner rapping, rapping to the youths that were older than me on the block at the time, you get me, and then going to the youth club. And it's also, it's also a hip-hop grind, I think. They take it from that space. Yeah. Because you're not doing the... And this isn't spoken about enough, so I'm glad I get to, to chop this up with you, but... If you're not doing the struggling rapper grind, you're not considered a rapper. You're considered this alternative thing because you didn't you didn't shot in a band or you didn't trap or you didn't do any of that. So you're not you're not a rapper. You're you're a, you're one of them other guys. You know what I'm saying? But it's those other guys that are are able to make space for a lot of the people who have a, I guess what I will say is a more linear path in rap. Do you get what I'm saying? Or in hip hop as a spectrum, and it is a spectrum. Do you get me? It crosses over. It's become such a crazy commodity in the world over the last maybe 10, 15 years um, with the rise of people like Kendrick Lamar and J. Cole. And you've been able to see a wider spectrum of what can be considered popular in music. And then now more recently with myself, Koji, Little Sims, Kadiata, Nux, Sam Wise, etc. We're considered alt, but what we do at its core is hip-hop. That is just us rapping on warm loops for, for the most part. And anything else is an artistic decision that they've made based on taste or collaboration or whatever the case may be. But it's hip hop at its core, so I don't I don't really penny that. Like, call it what you want, but the world knows what it is, really. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just wanted to address. I always want to address you guys when that question comes up or that topic, just because you guys are the ones making the art. Like, it's no one else. Um, whoever's labeling you, I'm, obviously, I'm just a journalist in this. Um, but yeah, one of your, my block, we spoke about it before, which um, details police brutality with your friend, Julian. Um, it's quite a sad story. And obviously three officers got um, let go of the, the institution in 2018, which was five years after the incident actually happened. Um, but I wanted to ask how it felt like becoming one of the faces in the UK of... Black Lives Matter, whether you wanted to or not, it got widespread coverage in the likes of Enemy, Guardian. You got playlisted. Um, it was at a point in time where loads of rappers like yourself, George, Stormzy, etc., were going to the protests and showing solidarity. Um, how did it feel to make art, not even knowing what was around the corner, um, societally and globally? And then one of your songs, which was, you know, very introspective and about your community and about your immediate community um, be used in, in such a way and I'm not, I'm not putting a negative connotation there I'm just saying more broadly just um, it's one of obviously your biggest songs um, so how did that 
that connection and juxtaposition kind of feel like for you? All I cared about was um, raising awareness for the fact that people had not been like held accountable for what they did to someone. He was a nine. He was nineteen at the time. He was a semi-pro football player for what for the FC, and he was a sports science student. He also stood at about five foot four. He was like considered a petite man. Do you get me? So, and he wasn't even twenty yet. So it was like. I'm looking at this situation and at the time I wanted to go see him but it was only his family that could see him back in like sure. 2013 when it happened and then come 2015 I'm, I'm online and I'm, I'm campaigning and speaking about it on Twitter and it's starting to go viral and people are picking up the story around the same time that the BBC covered it for the first time and then 2016 into 2017 I was going like his mum asked me to speak outside the American embassy uh, when it used to be in, Vox, in Vauxhall because um, it was just a lot for her. Do you know what I mean? It was a lot for her and the family and they had a lot on at the time and they just felt that I had um, I had the means and the faculty to be able to like articulate that and, and read it well. Um, and, then we, and then we did some fundraisers at his university up in Bedford and yeah, I've just been helping them or like trying to, trying to do my part for Julian for a long time post, post the incident. So my block was an amalgamation of all of those things and feelings and then seeing black women be pacified online and, and on, on the news, live or on television, like you're shouting over her, but when she speaks, she's aggressive. It doesn't make sense to me, do you get me? So if I can't, if I can't um, get myself on a platform to speak about what I think is unfair and what I think is not, is not tactful and what I think is not respectful about how our community is being treated or at least the voices in our community are being treated, then I'm going to go and use my platform to do that. And the main aim of that was to raise awareness for the fact that no one wants to talk about these three policemen. They just want to like fire them and move them on. But why are they not being convicted? Why is the government not paying compensation for his earning potential? Do you get me? Why is there, no, why has there been no apologies? Nobody wants to admit a wrong, but you want to make actions about the wrong. Three people have been caught lying about breaking a man's neck. I'm not going to shy away from that or create... create um, pleasantries or platitudes for the sake of anyone's feelings like because if if it was your son or your daughter that that neck was broken unfairly and and in a situation like that you'd never be able to let that go and some people some people would consider that worse than not being here anymore because he's trapped now inside his own body and he can he can't move he's paralyzed for the rest of his life do you know what i mean i'm not gonna let that go like i'm not letting that go ever do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Especially, especially considering that it's been it's been a good part of ten years since the actual incident happened, mm. and nobody's been put in prison. But if he'd if he'd lashed out at any point, probably probably fairly so because he's being wrongly handled, he would have been in, he would have spent time in the cell, mm. and he'd and he spent time in custody with a broken neck. Do you know what I'm saying? Like so, I'm just I'm never letting that go. So it was never about. It was never about um, what my feelings were because it's not about me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's about him and I'm just using my platform to, to, to speak and um, voice my, my feelings and my thoughts about something that happened to somebody that I cared about and somebody who cared about me and does still care about me and somebody I still care about. Do you know what I mean? We helped raise a lot of money for his family. Um, GoFundMe got in touch with us and we're like, we want to do more to help you here. And it was overwhelming for them. So eventually we just put things down. But 
we raised we raised a good amount of money. We bought some equipment for him to live a better life. Like like for we sure. did that personally before I'd made a penny off the song. So mm. it's and that was the aim. We got it back into BBC News and it was the most viewed thing that morning after seven years. You know what I'm saying? And as journalists, you know we're not covering the same story twice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But we forced that because you I made it I made it so you couldn't ignore it. Because for some reason we're ignoring the fact that some people are not in prison because they've broken a man's neck. You just get to go home back to your kids and your wife and yeah, you got fired from your job and your livelihood's going to be messed up for a bit. But look, COVID, so all of our livelihoods are messed up. Do you know what I mean? You shouldn't be allowed to walk free for that as far as I'm concerned. You should be held accountable. Thank you. Um, again, another like intro, kind of introspective look at what your life looks like outside of the booth as well. Um... Speaking of responsibility and action and, and everything that you kind of did in that moment because it was your community, um, I know there's a debate that goes around a lot in terms of the responsibility of visible black acts and visible acts more broadly, actually, um, that, that came about after the kind of Black Lives Matter um, debates that happened in 2020 post-George um, Floyd. Um, in terms of your perspective, do you think that visible artists, regardless of discipline, um, have a responsibility to act and use their platforms for social change? I think artists have a responsibility to speak their truth first before anything. Yeah. Because you don't, a lot of people don't make music for the sake of um, others. They make music for themselves yeah. first, you get me? And... I find that the conversation about what people should do, I, I, I came up with this saying, yeah, and if and when I become like, I'm Jamaican in it, so when I become like an old, an old Jamaican man, <laughs> I've got grandkids and that, and they come to me and that, you know, like the old Jamaican man always has the message for you at some point, like always has the words, yeah. the wise words or whatever. Should is a word that dresses up a sentence to go nowhere. A lot of things should happen in life and they don't. And that's the reality. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, People talking about <laughs> love, love. It's love, another Jamaican bro. in the room. Love. It's Jamaican facts, though. You get me? Like we can should is like a placeholder for what should for what for what what you want. You know what I mean? A lot of people use should to project about yeah. what they what they feel rather than, and sometimes that comes in form of a political conversation, or sometimes that comes in form of like a a rights conversation or whatever the case may be but I think we're all intelligent enough to know when somebody is actually speaking for a cause and speaking for themselves you know what I mean and speaking yeah. for the things that they personally want to see versus what is actually right and how long that might take to actually see come to fruition so when I'm not as outraged as you about a thing yeah. I can't say you should be more outraged because that's just what I want yeah. that might not even be what the person who's going through the thing or the group of people that are going through the thing want mm. do you know what I mean and a lot of the time, people are asking people who are not even from that community to speak out just to, just to get the, the traction up. And I understand that because not everyone's trying to listen. But you can't, I don't, I don't believe in the idea of chastising somebody for not saying, or sort of penalising someone for not saying something that you want them to say. You get me? Obviously, if that person is aligned with that thing, that's very different. You know what I'm saying? And even then, they still have their choice they still have their right to, to to or to not say what they want. Yeah. The only thing I can only thing I will ever discredit an artist for is lying. If you come out and you tell a lie, then that's very different. 
if you if you personify things that are not real, yeah. you're giving people things to believe in that are not real, and that will create more discourse and more issues and more problems. Do you get me? What do you say to artists who play a caricature then? Like, for example, you know, it's widely known that Rick Ross isn't the character he kind of raps about sometimes. <laughs> he actually was part of law enforcement at one point. But, um, yeah, what do you think about, where does that tension lie then in terms of artists lying and versus personifying themselves and becoming a character for mass consumption? I think, <laughs> I think that um, the public isn't stupid. You get me? I think the public isn't stupid. You still have to decide what you do and don't consume. Yeah. You know what I mean? Regardless of what's being pushed at you, because I know we talk a lot about, oh, this is being pushed on the radio and that's being pushed in the society and this is being... I get it. You know what I mean? I fully understand it and I wish they would push me more in the society. Do you know what I'm saying? They will, they will. But the reality of it is, is that Beyonce did Sasha Fierce, you know what I mean? Rick Ross had a past before his music. Yeah. They were people before they were artists. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they had pasts and they made decisions and they, they changed their mind and they did things. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this room has changed their mind about something they've said they wanted to do or they said they were going to do. And you might not have had the confidence to say, you know what, I changed my mind, I don't want to do that because we're, we're all watching each other's words online a lot more. So we're taking in the voices of other people a lot more, which means we're holding people accountable a lot more for the things they say and do based on how they live their life. Yeah. Now, for somebody like a Rick Ross who's lived a life, who's happened to live a life counterintuitive to the rap life that he lives, do you know what I mean? It's not as linear as being able to say, oh, well, you're a fed. Do you know what I mean? Because he probably didn't grow up as a fed. (laughs) You get me? He didn't didn't come out of school and go straight into law enforcement. And even if he did, he changed his mind and decided, you know what? Forget it. That's, I needed, he might have been in there and said, that's that's more corrupt than being out here. At least out here, I can make what money I want to make. Do you get me? So I can't defend that idea of him, him changing his mind. That's his own personal thing. And for the people, for the people to decide on whether they want to consume his work or not but your integrity is based on what you do and how you act and what decisions you make and what you choose to say. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And only you can change or unchange that. I want to hear an album about, about what he did as a policeman and how that changed over course of time and how he became a rapper. It's about if you decide to talk about that or if you decide not to address that. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Sure. So some things can look like a character and they're not. Mm. And some things can not look like a character and they are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So... It's all based on how you choose to communicate yourself and what you want from this thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Because some people can and become artists and say, oh, well, I just want to make a million pounds off of being an artist. That's cool, but you're going to have to do some very questionable things to get to that million pounds quickly. And that's going to, that's going to fuck with your integrity heavy. But if you've, got, if you've got an understanding of who you are and who your surrounding is and where your love is and where your patience is, and, and what you want to create and what your vision is, then it's easier to set your path. And even if it doesn't go that way fully and you do have to change your mind, you just hope that you've done enough integrally prior to that for people to follow that change and to respect that change and even maybe to endorse that change even more. Do you know what I mean? So Amazing. Um, I promised we'd get to the album, so we're going to get to the album now. <laughs> Um, yes. I just wanted to contextualise who you are for the people in the room who may not know as well. This is the artwork. Um, I wanted to ask you about this artwork and about the name as well. I know you addressed it pre- previously, like in a little bit of nuance, but I'd love to get like a full explanation of 
this and the visual kind of representation of coming up for air, but also the water references, you visually, like the name coming up for air um, and how long it took to kind of conceive this whole vision. Oh, because the music that I start with, the last question, because the music that I write is is um, so intrinsic to my life, a lot of the time I'm not sitting down and going, oh, I want to write an album now and it's going to be about this thing. Yeah, it's It's more like, I feel this thing in an extreme way or this thing has lived with me for a long time. Maybe there's a song there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or sometimes I'll go in the studio and I'll just hear the beat and things will just come out of me that I feel like the beat is saying to me. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Or the melody or the synth or, or, the, or the bass is saying to me and I'll just write those things down and then I'll piece it together later. There's no, there's no one way to write a song, do you get me? Or to create, to create um, a piece of music. You just have to feel it out and use your experience and your instincts to make good decisions. You know what I'm saying? A lot, of, a lot of good music is just good decisions. So I think with, um, with how long it took me to make the album, I don't even really know. Like, I think mm. the first song we ended up writing, because some, some of the lyrics are from before um, I started writing the album. Yeah, for me? sure. Where I'm just like jotting stuff down in my, oh, that's a sick bar, let me jot that down. That means something to me, that resonates, whatever. I might be on a train or in a cab or you get me on a plane and I'm like yo a lot of it happens in commute because you get time to think to yourself and you're kind of in your own world so yeah that's kind of that and then the theme the theme the name. The, yeah well the name came from again having gone through a lot and just unpacking with friends do you get me sharing with friends and just I was chatting to Manon who exec my last album and exec this one um, and he couldn't be here today but he says hi um yeah, it was. We were having a conversation one day whilst I was making songs. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was going to be called yet. I knew yeah. I wanted to make one at this point, but I didn't know what it was going to be. Or I knew I was ready to release another one, but I, I didn't know what I wanted it to be called. And he was going through some things, and we talked quite regularly about personal stuff. And I was like, "So how are you?" Similar to what you asked me at Guap, I was like, "How are you feeling like separately from work?" You know what I'm saying? He goes, "I'm just coming up for air, bro." And I was like, "That's the name of my album." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just heard him say that and I was like, wow, like, that says everything I needed to say with, before yeah. you even heard a song. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I was writing, obviously, as you know, I was writing a lot of, and you lot will find out on the sixth, I was writing a lot of like really deep, pensive stuff, but I was using the music to create the environment for those, for those songs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the, the kind of theme of the album in itself is like, I hear it. Like, you're looking at somebody and you're, you're listening to them talk about the issues and the things that are going on in their head that they never get to tell anyone else and then you let yours off. And it's, it's a sharing experience. It's a conversation. It's something that I want people to be able to see themselves in. Like The same way I'm talking about coming up for air is like I want it to feel like a, a bit of a sigh of relief. Like You know like when somebody says something you never expect them to say but it resonates mad deep and you're like, oh, I'm so glad that we got an opportunity to... You get me? Oh, bruv, I'm so glad you said that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's that. It's that. Oh, somebody said it. That exhale. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Which, is, which is why it resonated with me so much when he said that. And um, anyone I've said it to since is like, wow. Mm. Because, and I think that reaction comes from, again, us all collectively as one mind kind of needing to come up for air or feeling like you need to. And the reality of the album is... Um, kind of a sad or happy reality depending on what your perception of your life at this point is is that you will sink again like you will it will happen again life will hit you again a new thing will happen do you get me and you will sink again but Mm. 
I want this album to feel like a bit of a, that conversation I'm trying to have with the album to feel like a bit of a wetsuit to your, your inner self, you get me? Or like the thing that you're envisioning when you're swimming back up, if it's yourself or whatever the case may be. But if you imagine yourself sinking because of all of the things that are happening in your life that you can't seem to break away from the emotions of and they're dragging you down and they're weighing you down, you listen to this album and the wetsuit just kind of appears on your body. So you have to swim back up. The album is to help you swim back up just that little bit easier, just to make that journey back up a little bit smoother. And it's not going anywhere. It will be here forever. So when you sink again, you can come back up again with this album. The first song is called Jaded. You yep. get me? And the first, the first lyric out of that song is, this year my love language is affirmations and checks. And it's just about being able to repeat those things to yourself and listen to the words that I'm saying as a conversation and grow that. And obviously it gets a lot more musical and don't worry, there's flows on there. There's, everything's on there. But I definitely wanted to like, say some stuff and have conversations about things. You get me? I ask a lot of questions. Like on Heart Race, the, the kind of climax of that song comes after a really serene moment where there's no lyrics. And the, and the question I ask is, how do we start addressing the trauma the world taught us whilst maintaining the shit that we need to bring to the table? It's like, how are, you, how are we both... And I see it, people say this a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like, how do we both... How are you lot dealing with life and then also making money, and then also dealing with your anxiety and your depression, and yeah. and 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 your insubordinate family members, and your the dating scene, and whatever. How were you managing all of that at one time? And I didn't have the answer to that question. Yeah. So I just thought this is the start of that verse for that song, and yeah. the 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 top line of the song is, "I feel my heart racing. There's too much heart in it." Yeah. Do you get me? Because we all want what we want for ourselves. We're all very passionate. I would like to believe about what we want for ourselves. It's just about the means of being able to set your head in the right place and have the right patience and the right mm. understanding about how to achieve that thing. Yeah. But you still have to deal with all the shit that goes, like you, that money I have to make, bills still have to pay. You get what I'm saying? So how do we do both of those things at the same time? Mm. Is it, is, are you stuck because of your traditions or your family? Are you, do you feel stuck because you're in a relationship you don't want to be, you don't know how to, how to walk away from it? Are you stuck because... You're, you're too scared to quit your job or you're too scared to talk to your boss about a raise. Are you, I want this album to feel like a wetsuit. I want it to feel like I can't see myself anymore. So here's these songs. Oh, I get it now. All right, cool. It's not that bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, obviously, it's 10 songs long. Um, it's got the likes of Koji on there again. Mm -hmm. um, it's got... Queen on there, which obviously is a single. Oh, let me talk, sorry, let me talk about the artwork real quick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm super proud of this, by the way. It was done by a guy called Temba Eric, or online his name is Overdo, so just look him up. Um, he's probably in my followers. He is in my followers. Um, so yeah, essentially, <laughs> essentially, um, I was watching an episode of like some, some program, some cartoon, and I'd seen... Um, I'd seen a jacket that somebody was wearing that had that was like see-through. And I was like, that looks so much like what I envision in my head when I talk about all of the all of the waves and different things that affect me. Do you get me? And how close they are to me because I talk about them in my music and then I have to go and perform them. Which is why I'm in this kind of almost fetal position and I'm hugging a see-through jacket that has if you I don't know if you can zoom in over there, but that has sea life in it, but there's no sea life in the water. Do you know what I mean? 
is everything, everything in my environment is within sight, is inside that puffer jacket. Everything that I want to hold dear to me, all, everything is inside there. And that's why I'm kind of in that position. You could call like one of those fishes my mum and one of those fishes my, my best friend and one of those, you get me? All of that is inside the jacket and that's what I'm holding close to me. All of the flaws and all of the issues that I face, all the things that propel my music and push my art and push my creativity and cause me to question myself, they're all inside that jacket and I hold them close but obviously it's water so if that jacket was to, ever, that's the bubble, if that jacket was to ever burst, I wouldn't know who I was anymore. So I'm holding that close to me. Um, I'm floating over... Uh, you can zoom back out now. If you... <laughs> I'm floating over a body of water um, with a massive whirlpool in it to kind of show you the impending nature of... Um, you don't know whether I'm coming out of it or I'm falling into it into some, to some extent. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that is to signify that idea of like, you will sink again. Do you know what I mean? And hopefully you have a puffer jacket or a wetsuit and the album is that for you and it makes it easier for you to float back to the top or to, to swim up easier. Do you know what I mean? And obviously the water is not settled because situations like this and environments like that are never settled in your mind. So this is almost like me, this is like an, a vision of me inside my own head when I think about what I want the album to do. Mm. Amazing, man. Um, I didn't even know the jacket part, so thank you for going into depth. But um, I wanted to speak to you about the born with this crown kind of line and you kind of shutting out the outside noise as well. Um, and you spoke about affirmations and discarding some of those because of them being fleeting. Um, how do you, as being someone who is visible, if not hyper-visible in some spaces, um, deal with that projection onto yourself, that, that external projection as well, um, when it comes through? Because you say, obviously, you discard it, but not every time it hits, you'll be able to do that in the short term just because we're human, we're flawed. Sometimes it will go in. So how do you keep that barrier between all of those kind of comments and, and projections on yourself um, with who you see yourself as and what you want for yourself? I just say no. <clears throat> nah, that's not it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's only so much someone can talk at you before they get it wrong. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So if you get it wrong from the jump, just don't waste your breath. Like, I'd rather, I'd rather sit down and talk to you about what it is yeah. rather than let you talk to me about what you think it is, mm -hmm. if you care that much, you know what I mean? And don't get it twisted. Like, obviously, I love to hear how people are interpreting my work from a point of respect. I'd, 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 I'd thrive on that, yeah. you know what I mean? Because as long as it's stimulating to you, it means something, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, but if I, ever, if I ever have to deal with those, like, the comments never really press me um, because I, I've, I've developed enough of a enough of an opinion of the world and of myself within that world and I know my place enough to be able to say the more mean something is that somebody says, the more spiteful something is that somebody says. And bearing in mind, I've just touched the Queen record, the, some of the British public are not happy. Do you get what I'm saying? So I've had some, like oh, nobody, had would, yeah, I've had some crazy comments, like crazy comments. Like somebody, somebody tweeted me and said, like, I don't want to hear this shit interpretation about his grandma. I don't know why he even touched this tune. Like, ex look, look, see? Like, <laughs> but I can't take that reaction. You get what I'm saying? It's like, rah, you must, I, I hit them back. Like, you, I understand you don't like the song. Cool. You get me? But what's going on? I literally tweeted, like, but what's going on with you? Because 
this was unsolicited. This was spiteful to a level that I can't even, I can't even attach my emotions to. Do you know what I mean? And I just get to find, and then when I did the BT cipher, that was another like, highlight moment for me. Yeah. Um, that actually got me the opportunity to write that Queen song because it was the same producer, mm. um, and I smashed the, the cipher. Like one take, first shot of the day, yeah. came in, did my bars, and everyone was like, "Yep, we can go home now." Type stuff. You mm. get me? We didn't. We stayed, but like there was that and subtle flex, just that, a subtle one. right? So, in in uh, post the release of that that freestyle. It it gone viral. It had done like two thousand retweets in the space of like a day or something yeah. like that, and it was it was picking up quite heavily. And there was a lot of reactions and conversation around that. And some of that was from America and from other places outside of the UK. Yeah, and people were saying some real real like dark stuff, like real dark stuff. From I don't fuck with the accent, so I can't get to the bars all the way through to this brush and never rap again. But me knowing like. Some of the stuff that I've said on, on lyrics has literally saved lives. You get me? So, and admittedly to me, so I'm like, bruv, I've, I've got a whole purpose. I can't, even, I can't even be pressed about people that, again, never cared. Do you know what I mean? They never cared. They just happened. They were just living their regular life, eating their sandwich, scrolling their phone and happened. Do you get it though? Like they just happened to see it and you happened to say something that you felt was true at the time. But you have no, you know, like a you don't know me, like kind of thing. Like it was, it was very like, bro. I, if I'm taking what you say more serious than the people that anyone in here that would leave a, a more positive or has a more positive view of me, then I'm 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 attaching myself to the wrong things. You know For what sure. I'm saying? Which is why it's like I always tell my brothers to go where the love is. Because yeah, like why am I not just focusing fiercely on the people that do fuck with me? Why am I making? my narrative online about people that don't. Yeah, sometimes I have to blow someone up, 100%. You get me? Because you don't just get to chat to man anyhow. But at the same time, like the majority of the time, because um, I'm only human, innit? So, but the majority of the time, it's like the more spiteful the comment is, the less angry I am about it or the less upset or the less, the less it affects me emotionally because you just needed, you needed, cool, if you needed to do that to make yourself feel better about your own situation because I'm doing what I love, innit? So, if you needed that, cool, have it. You get me? I'm the one to, I'll take that on the chest. That's not a problem. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um. <laughs> Wild shit has been said to me. I'll be real. Wild stuff, man. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, should we jump to the Queen record? Just uh, just for context, just because you um, you spoke about it. Um, it is a single and it tributes Shay's gran, who we spoke about earlier in the conversation, who unfortunately passed away. Um, R.I.P. and I know she's watching right now. Yeah, 100%. She's still here, just not physically. For sure. You got to um, be a part of an MTV, I believe, competition in sponsorship with Adidas Original. It wasn't a competition. They just picked us. Oh, they picked you. If it, okay. Okay. Well, the outlet I had I to clarify from... that because I'm, I'm very proud of Roger Taylor picking me. I'm nah, picking me to write a song like that to Talk deliver the live stems of Freddie's like that's not a sample from the song that's Freddie's live studio stem talk your shit like, right talk your shit so MTV did a three part video um, coverage of this um, where Shay actually met um, Roger met the team recorded his song released it um, all in a day all in a day flex again um, and tributed his grandma in the most impactful way that one could uh, musically so talk to me about the process of tributing her but then also getting to meet icons like icons on this island um and 
just impressing them in such a big way, which you just kind of alluded to? Um, it was, I, I'll be real, that, that entire process was like, it felt like, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like my grandma had settled up there and like, yeah, all right, what, you're writing this about me? All right, cool. I've settled with a big man now. I'm going to oversee that one. And she had a conversation with him and said, yo, can I, can I interject here and, you get me, help guide him during this one and put my hand on his shoulder. And she did. We were getting, um, and Lena can attest to this, we were getting emails from the crew like, it's been such a pleasure to work and this, is, this has been like some of the best parts of the campaign and all of these kind of things respected to the other artists that were a part of it. Do you get me? But here's, here's, a, more, here's a more braggadocious flex. They weren't me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and I had to stand on that. We, we had the stems from the song and we were all like overthinking it really, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> like in a way that made me feel like, all right, this is not going to help the creative process. You know what I'm saying? Because it's such a precious track and it's such a great act. You get me in such a legendary legacy, like veteran level act. You know what mm. I'm saying? As Queen in their original form and their new form. Um, but writing a song, making the decision to write about my grandma was difficult when I actually make, because you're, you're essentially, you're being paid to, to sell a story. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. In my, in my instance, if someone asked me to write a song, I'm being paid to sell a story. So do I want to give, like, and as much as there's humans, everyone has jobs and quotas to meet and whatever, and it just becomes very business. You get me? So thinking about it from the point of being commissioned to make a song out of this track, it's like, do I want to include my deeply personal feelings about the way my grandma had, a, had an effect on my life into this song. And again, that's me overthinking it because if that's what comes to me and that's what I feel most, yeah. that's what I should go with. You know what I mean? Mm. Running with your instincts is one of the, one of the most um, favourable things you can do with yourself if you're also being honest with yourself about where your life is at and where you want it to be. Um, so yeah, right, and that's, making the decision was hard yeah. writing the, and, and it was it was less hard because I was in a room of musicians I trusted you yeah. get me but actually writing the song and getting it off was one of the most freeing experiences I've ever had in my life like that is one of the most freeing songs I've ever written and it was mainly because I only had a day to write it like I, we wrote and produced that entire song in 10 hours mastered like mixed finished like completely done was it almost like because you didn't have to think about it for so long yeah and like I, I could just lean on my it, instincts yeah that you just did it you, you get me I just it. leaned on my instincts and originally that high that high falsetto at the back end of the chorus yeah was a was a bv do you know what I mean it was a backing vocal it wasn't the main thing so when we when when I was just like in the mode of like okay I'm going to break all the like conventional Shea Lingo things, but I'm going to Shea Lingo this song though. Do you know what I mean? It just became a new, a different type of track. So that when like we played it to Roger, he loved it so much that he actually personally invited us to come and see them play on tour. Um, but I couldn't go because I was making this album. But if, if Queen tells you, come and see us play on tour, you, you go see Queen play on tour. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, so the fact that I couldn't make it, I was gutted. And then, and then but my manager, Lena, like, loved the song so much she was like I, I really think this has a place on your album if if you let me say this you get me it's like yeah. I'm just gonna try and get it cleared but we didn't know the effect that it had on Roger's team and that so yeah she just said I'm gonna try and mm -hmm. you can only try in it the risk is proof in it you can only try so 
we tried and they handheld the whole situation through. And now, I've, now I'm going to die with a collaboration with Queen. Do you know what I mean? Well done. So, obviously you said that the album has ranged. This is obviously one of the more upbeat kind of songs. The songs that kind of touch the amalgamation of your influences over the years. Um, whether that's grime, whether that's um, hip-hop conventionally, whether that's reggae, whether that's dance or um, whether it's even Afro swing. There's definitely a lot in this song and it speaks to the genre blending kind of environment that we're living in the UK. Like Afro swing... Uh, modern creation over here wouldn't be a thing without that you know um, either would grime grime itself and many other genres as well um, you know acts like Jamelia wouldn't be here Skepta wouldn't be here JME music is about collaboration regardless of what the, the industries or the people that work in it will make you feel like for sure it's, a, it's, it's all about collaboration you can't you can't do everything by yourself it's a no man is an island type thing and you sometimes you can I guess but you'll never get the best potential out of a song if if it's just you by yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even how genres were created, how hip-hop was created, was right. an amalgamation of communities despite the historical context which gets erased in a lot of modern literature. Right. But um, I wanted to ask you about growing up in such a genre-melded um, climate as well and a climate which has seen so much collaboration and what... What, how has that influenced you, actually, and how has that made you the artist you are today? It's made me brave. Like, there's, a, there's more room for things to be accepted outside of their linear lanes or their boxes. So it's made me braver, do you know what I mean? And I've, I've always been the type of person that enjoys, like, a myriad of different types of sounds, you get me? So I want it to reflect in my album. So as much as that's an upbeat song, I'm, I'm talking about quite a, quite a like, like not upsetting but like a morbid thing do you of know course. what I mean like a, a failing relationship with a superficial person do you know what I mean that I thought I liked that it's kind of a, like a there's a toxicity to I'm attracted to you physically but you're not giving me what I want mentally and emotionally like and that's what's creating the disparity and that's the reason I, I'm, I'm spending money or I'm taking you on dates and it feels at the time it's like yeah we skid out like the second verse is um we skid out the second half of the second verse, skid out on missions. She like a stylish brother with ambition. She like a passionate man with real vision. And I wear glasses, but it's still giving. It's like, I can still see that there are moments where we can enjoy each other and we can feel comfortable with each other. And it's just unfortunate for me that those moments come at the expense of my wallet more time. So, and all I really want to do is just connect with you and chat to you about things that are happening. And you might not be ready. Do you know what I mean? So at the end of that, I talk about um, I allude to the idea of the woman needing therapy and me unpacking all of this stuff based on the fact that I also need need to seek some kind of help, which is what the album is about. It's, it's, a ther it's meant to be a therapeutic telling of all the things that I might say to somebody who wants to hear about my mental state. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, that's like kind of the nature of that song, but also the environment of the track is a party. So it's like out the blue comes before that. Yeah. And out of the blue, is like, all right, cool, I can, I've come out, I've, I've been jaded and I, I didn't want to leave my house. And now I've come outside and I've, I'm using the, the moment, the motion of coming outside to address all of the things that kept me in my house, the trauma, the issues, the cycles that I couldn't break and all of that stuff. So consumerism is like, I've come outside and I've come to the conclusion that it's, it's not really great out here. Like how many times have we said the streets ain't for us? Do you know what I'm saying? 
So it's like, yo, I don't know if the streets are for me, if this is yeah. how is how is how they're gonna treat me type shit. Do you get me? But the the songs, the the music is the environment, and then the things I say are the juxtaposed kind of um, more pensive internal things and that's that's kind of how I write in a lot of in a, I end up writing in a lot of situations I'll get yeah. something super upbeat and say something super pensive on it but within a certain flow to kind of capture the idea of you listen once for the vibe and you listen again for the lyrics then you unpack all the little intricacies of what I might have said in that in those lyrics in those verses or whatever the case may be it's kind of how I'm inspired to write music or have been so far anyway you speak a question that's just come to my mind is you speak a lot about you spoke a lot about like um, collaboration just now um, and obviously the song has rhythm in it which is I think hinting at rhythm culture which is obviously from Jamaica and in dancehall yeah. at large um, I want to ask you about rhythms and if you feel like they should make a return in like popular culture oh for sure like people like Jules are making that possible yeah you know what I'm saying like I and I mess with I mess with a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, I love I love the idea of certain things having like not subgenre but having like pockets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Certain certain types of music having pockets because you have to delve into that. Mm. You can listen to it for what it is easily, passively, whatever the case may be. But there's nothing like a rhythm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. and obviously you use that to describe songs you like as well, bro. This is a rhythm. Do you know what I'm saying? So I wanted, and I felt like it felt more like you're moving off of what the what the what the rhythm of the song is first you're in you're you're captured by the the bubbling drums first or at least I was when we were making the song you get me and I was like nah this is a rhythm I need to call it something yeah. based on that do you know what I mean and then when I when I kind of thought of the um the name it was it was it was kind of a no brainer it was like oh that sounds cold do you know what I mean because the top line is consumerism is consuming us yeah do you know what I'm saying? But and then it goes on to talk about how how the system has had um, an effect on how we treat each other when we are looking for security. Part of the security is financial, and part of that is is understanding another person's financial situation, and unfortunately, in some cases, taking advantage of that situation. Yeah. Do you get me? Based on wanting different things from that person, which isn't a bad thing. Do you get me? But we just want different things. So and I think yeah. that is that is the breakdown or the or the disparity in a lot of a lot of um the dating scene in my opinion is like you just want different things mm. but you're trying to ridicule each other for not giving each other the different things that you want based on your own life experiences but just like music relationships and bonds of of any nature are about collaborating and compromising and understanding and making sure that you're hearing as much as you're listening so I just wanted to make it a song you listen to first like you just hear on your ear first and it catches you on your ear first. Yeah. And when you listen a second or third time, you're like, oh, this, this guy's talking. He's spitting. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. There's a lot of wordplay in here, like a lot of wordplay. And it just made me realise why I like you as an artist, like you're a good wordsmith just generally. And that obviously relates to, I guess, my love of like literature at large. But um, I wanted to ask if you were good at literature in school or if not how did you become a good writer in this medium yeah, it was one of the things i excelled at to be fair um for me it was graphics and english which is basic at the time <laughs> at the time it was just mixtape covers and bars do you know what i mean like that's all i had you know what i'm saying yeah so i was i, I excelled at english and um my I, in primary school i used to go to go to school um, obviously do my lessons and whatever then come home and my grandma would teach me how to write cursive and give me more 
like homework to do and things to do at home, activities and whatever, but always educational ones. So I always had work outside of school. Yeah. And then she did the same thing in the first couple of years of secondary school, then I just got too old, do you know what I mean? Um, for her to keep up with it. So I've, I was always excelling at, um, at, at literature and at, like English generally. Um, and the, the kind of, the way that I piece things together is the fun part. Yeah. Like writing lyrics like that is the fun part. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just a nice guy with a wish. Now it's five sides with a dish. That's like immediate, an immediate switch, a time skip almost, if you like. Yeah. Do you get me? Just kind of giving you the before and after in two bars. Like, and you just, but then there's a thing in the middle that you think whilst those two bars are registering to your ear. You've heard them. Now your brain is almost forced to do the time skip. Like, oh, this is where you've come from and this is where you are now kind of thing. Yeah. So I love being able to piece stuff together like that over like sharp, bouncy things of that nature because I came from grime, which is obviously a lot of sharp, bouncy, ca- bouncy cadences and, um, or, or flows and then like deeper cadences or higher cadences where you can, you can use your breath to, to control it and get the lyrics off quite quickly and be quite masterful and skillful with that. I come from that. Yeah. Do you get me? So it's just manifested into what, again, the UK will call alt hip-hop, but essentially, I'm just, like, Twister did what we do here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? At its absolute core, that's what it is. It's just rapping in a different way mm. rather than it not being a part of the spectrum. So writing, writing lyrics for me is like, what is the core element and how many ways can I play with that core element whilst I tell my story? Mm. That's what I, I used. That's the, that's the tools I drew on to do private dinners. Amazing. Conscious of time. Um, you're a great talker, which is, Thank you. you know... I'm a bit of a rambler. Sorry, guys. No, 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 it's fine. Um, before we end the first town hall, I want to ask if there's any questions because I want to give back to you guys and give you guys a voice about the album, about Shay, about community, about anything. That's good. You managed to like be placed on a soundtrack for one of the biggest animes in the world at the moment. And Jujutsu Kaisen, if you guys don't know, you should know on it, yeah? And I just wanted to know what the process was and if anime plays a role in like influencing your writing and your music. Because like, when I saw your name attached to that, I was like, rah, big moves. Yeah. So did I, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I think... It, it does play, it plays a massive part because, like I said, I was, I was bullied as a kid and it's, it's a cliche, but it's the truth, isn't it? So, I was bullied as a kid. I spent a lot of time in my early teens in my house. So, that's the reason I even got into anime aside from this man right here. Um, he brought me into Final Fantasy, into, like, Japanese media, etc. Do you get me? So, obviously, that's quickly going to transition into anime. So, we used to watch Naruto together as kids and whatever the case may be. And you identify with these characters. Some certain things, people learn things in different ways, isn't it? Some people will learn it being outside in whatever capacity you're outside or from work or whatever the case may be. And other people learn it from media and some people learn it from conversations or just meditating or whatever the case may be. I learned a lot of my core values about how to treat people and what is what the right thing to do is outside of what my parents have taught me mm. um, and outside of my home from anime. Do you get me? The sentiments, not necessarily the lessons themselves, but the sentiments and the nuances of what it means to care about somebody, like what it means to show um, remorse for hurting a person, what it means to like believe in yourself, what it means to um, uh, actively be a friend to someone. 
You know what I'm saying? Those were very core elements to who I am as a person and they infuse me and they inspire me. You get me? Every, every, every day, every day, every day. So writing for Jujutsu Kaisen was like, I'm happy to say I just got the call, bruv. Like they just, somebody just called me and said, yo, this composer is, uh, Yuki Yamamoto is the composer who funnily enough is, is, the, is one of the only people in the world to hold the mantle for Final Fantasy's sound, sound score as well. He's done Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Love, Death and Robots. Um, and many other like series and Netflix and films and stuff like that. He's like a world-renowned composer, and uh, he got the call. He 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 put out the the call from uh, to Manon, and Manon was like, "I got to put. I, I need a I need a rapper that doesn't do drugs, man's gun, drugs, money, guns, bitches." Um, and yeah, so Manon was like, "What's it for?" And he was like, "Well, I." Don't know if he's into it. Bearing in mind, by this time, I'd been watching anime for 15 years of my life. You know what I'm saying? And he was like, I don't know if he's going to be interested in it, but this is what it is, and this is the situation, and this is when it will come out. And funnily enough, I'd already watched the trailer, because obviously both trailers have come out without subtitles when they first come out. You get me? So you don't know what you're watching, but it, provided you don't speak the language. But I'm like, yeah, this looks cold. I'm going to watch this. I'd watched that trailer two weeks before I got the call. You get me? So then I got the call and I was like, they, but I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't register the name of the anime when I watched it. So then when I got the call and I looked it up and I was like, this is the same anime that I just watched two weeks ago. I know this is going to be big. Do you get me? Because I've watched enough anime to be able to differentiate between a good one and a bad one, I'd like to think. You get me? So yeah, he called us up and then obviously I said yes. And they said they wanted me to write, originally they wanted me to write five songs just for panda scenes but there wasn't enough visibility of Panda in, in season one. I can imagine it's going to be more in season two now. Um, and I went to Pinewood Studios where they do like 007 and uh, uh, Star Trek and etc. cetera um, to record this. Yuki had a spot there and the engineer was the same guy that used to do a lot of the mixes and stuff for One Direction. So it was like, there's a lot of weight in the room. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm, I'm writing these songs and some of the songs I'm writing are to like time signatures that are not even meant for rap. You get what I'm saying? Like, go look up what a seven, eight time signature is and tell me if that's meant for rap. You get what I'm saying? Um, so I was doing that and then, yeah, I went into the studio, I recorded all the songs in a day um, and, yeah, I, I was recording maybe the third or fourth song at this time or the, the first version of the third or fourth song at this time and I look over to like my left and there's like Yuki sitting there like where Joe is and there's a laptop there and he's talking to the laptop. Then he spins the laptop round and the entire team from Jujutsu Kaisen are watching me record these songs from Japan. And they were watching me the whole time and they stayed up till 5 a.m. Japanese time and just and, and gave me nothing but praises following every single song. And obviously they're naturally and culturally they're very polite people. So it's like you might not even know what, what their true their true feelings towards something caused for a point of respect to not offending anybody's creative decisions and whatever. But then pretty much all the songs got used exactly how I recorded them with all the ideas that I'd thought of for mixing and ways to, ways to use my voice. And you'll hear some of the, some of the mix um, things that are in uh, the vocal execution and mixes of the songs on Jujutsu Kaisen, like Be Prepared. You'll hear like the megaphone sound, the same megaphone sound that we did in my block do you get me? And I proper tried to insert myself into it rather than just write songs for it as like an ambiguous artist. And Yuki loved the song so much that, um, and, and believed in it so much and we had such a great time in the studio that he pushed for my name to be credited along 
all of the songs that I was that I'd made that I'd made the project. And bearing in mind, it's a two-sided soundtrack with 60 songs on it, and I'm the only UK artist to feature on it and be credited. And I'm one of the I, what I think is I'm one of the only ones to have done it full stop, and definitely the only one to have written for a major TV show and jump anime in the last decade minimum. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Love, thank you so much. And I know your connection with anime continues because outside of music, you are doing anime and chill. You're a part of that, um, which we'll we'll get into in a second. But I just want to open... By the way, just before we do that, yeah, I I don't say that to only to flex. I say that because now it's possible. You know what I'm saying? Now it looks more possible for everyone. That's that's the reason I flex, because like... Like, I say this because I ain't shit. You can do it too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you actually can. Because yeah. a lot of people didn't know that was possible before I did it. So yeah. now it looks possible. Do you know what I'm saying? And this is what this platform's about. Like, it's about music, but what that's led you to. So, yeah. Um, I wanted yo. to ask, from the perspective of a rapper, what is your... Um, song creation process like from start to finish because for example if I sing and I'm a songwriter and I play the guitar or the piano I can kind of put something together but what is your process like because the record sounds brilliant and I'm wondering you, how you put it all together conceptually song by song if that makes sense message first what do you want to say because you can have a great melody that sticks in your head but if you're not saying things on that, that I use the more, the more infectious the melody the deeper I want to go do you know what I mean because you're caught by the melody, so I might as well use that opportunity to say something that I think is important to say. Maybe only to me, but it's important to say. You get me? And then everything else is just vibes and making good decisions, which, again, are easier to do with people you trust in the room. You know what I'm saying? Which is why a lot of people, especially the like, even bigger artists than myself or my peers, like have a really tight circle of people that they trust, not just in music, but outside of that as well. And they probably have great relationships where you see celebrities go, oh, that's my brother. Because they've cut massive deals on songs that they've had to sit in a studio and be around each other and really understand each other as people to make. You get what I'm saying? So the songwriting process for me is just, what does the song want from me as much as what, what do I want from the song? And then the only bit that I control is what I say and how I say it. You get what I mean? Whether it needs to be sung, whether it needs to be said in a raspy voice or a high voice or the, the distorted voice that I use on some of the records or a deep voice that I use on some of the records. Like, what is it that I want to say? How many voices? I think some of the best rappers in the world have, on, on record, have a, new, like a number of voices. You get me? They have, like, take, if you take Kendrick, for example, he's got a number of voices on his records to articulate the different things that he wants to say. Kid Cudi has a number of voices. Kanye has a number of voices. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, and I, and I take from that because sometimes you can't say everything in the same tone to, and get it across. So first I'm like, what melody makes me feel the most? Or what, what, kind of nat- what kind of genre or nature of the music that I hear makes me feel the most? And it's all very instinctual. Like if I don't feel it, it's not happening mm. kind of thing. It's, it's that simple. I've had, I've had producers play me beats over and over, like, like hundreds and hundreds of beats, and it's not before the 70th beat where I'm going, that, that's the one I fuck with. And they're going, oh, I get it now. And then the next time we get in, they might only play 15 beats. And then the next time we get in, they've made seven for me. Do you get what I'm saying? And it's about being brave enough and vocal enough and having, and again, people you trust in a studio where ego isn't an issue. You know what I'm saying? 
and it's just like we're just gonna go with whatever you want and you respect that you respect that freedom that they're giving you with their work and their art as well in a way of like okay so what do you think and then you just grow and you build the song with that person there's other times when I just know and I'm just like I know this beat is for me I know these lyrics are gonna work on this and I'll record it at home 2017 when I first went full time with music the two things I, the three things I did to make sure that my situation was sustainable is I bought a studio for my house because even if I go broke and I can, as long as I can keep the lights on, I can make money because I can always make music. I paid my rent down for a year and a half just so I didn't have to think about anything to do with rent or bills or whatever the case may be. And I, I gave my mum and my family some money to go to Jamaica and fix the house out there and pay for their tickets out there. So the people that helped me and put me in that situation in the first place mm. are now looked after for at least a little while anyway. Do you get me? Those things in real life made it easier for me to be free in the music. So you have to you have to find that balance, and that is what will holistically give you a better purpose and a, more, a better understanding of what you want to say. You get me? Or you just use those experiences to create your music. But the songwriting process from start to finish is just: what do I feel the most? What do I want to say? How do I want to say it? Do the people in the room, the other expert musicians in the room? think this is the right way to do it or am I passionate, and passionate, passionate enough about my decisions at that time to say as much as I get that I want to do this you know what I'm saying it's always a conversation thank you that's right thanks so much good evening everyone by the way um, it's interesting hearing you talk about being in a room with people that you trust um, obviously you created a, a great previous album thank you TWG um, shout out my boy Miguel he was oh, Miguel's my guy yeah make sure you go look up Miguel London fantastic producer <laughs> no so what I wanted to ask obviously you've got a range of beats on your new album I wanted to understand your process in selecting the instrumentals because I find even the beats I was hearing today were really like really cool and really different and I was just wanting to understand more about that um, they all came about in different ways. So Jay did the first song that Nick played was um, done by a guy called Emil and he'd already fleshed out the majority of the beat before I had, before I'd come into contact with it. Um, and then it was just about it was just about adding certain parts that that worked and communicated well with the things I was saying in the pockets I was leaving for verse and choruses and whatever else we decided to put in a song sonically. Um, and then consumer rhythm was made from scratch. And then uh, my radio was made from scratch. Out of blue was made from some pre-existing stems. So it it depends. You get me. It depends. Like on, I just go with what I feel the most, and I'm I'm very I, I treat that instinct as if it's as if it's a four like a four month decision I've made. Do you get me? Without and it's obviously a delicate balance because you never want to like come across arrogant in the studio. Like now nah, we need to do it this way, but. When you can see a vision, if you're humble enough to articulate that to the people you're in a room with, they can help you see that vision out or give you better perspective on your vision. So selecting the beats wasn't, wasn't really difficult because we made a lot of them from scratch or developed a lot of them up to a point where you will never hear it that way again. You know what I'm saying? So there is a bespokeness to this album as much as everything sounds different. It wasn't just me like plucking beats from producers. Like yeah. it's, Sometimes it's just a riff or it's just a like... Uh, a guitar lick that we decided to replay as a piano or there's a lot of talk box on the album leaning back to like when I used to listen to a lot of Snoop Dogg and Nate and all that kind of stuff and I love that about it because I'm using it in different ways on this current album and it's not that like West Coast hip hop traditionally so 
selecting the beats and then, and then providing the context for my style of music lyrically was one of the most one of the most enjoyable parts of it. But selecting those beats wasn't really a selection. It was just a, it was just getting in with the musicians I trust yeah. and trying to make the best decisions for whatever the song is. Before we leave, I just want to ask a really simple question um, about the album. And I know you don't necessarily always think about external validation and everything, but it's dropping in two days. Um, intrinsically, what do you want for yourself in relation to this album? Not sales, not anything like that, but what do you want the legacy of this album to be in terms of introspectively for yourself? I want it to help... You know what I mean? And I smile and I say that with such enthusiasm because I do, bruv. Like, I, I really want it to help. You know what I mean? I really want people to, like, have... Again, I don't know how... It's only via doing this rollout for this album that I've really got a proper context on how people perceive the last one. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And how deeply you all thought the last one went and how, how, how tuned on and switched on to the lyrics you were. And you can see that in a moment... Like, you'll be in a party and a guy will shake your hand and he'll squeeze your hand like, I, I got it all, I got it all. Or a woman will do the same thing. You get me? Like, yo, that was, what you did on that was, you get me? I want it to help. I just want it to help, man. I've been through a lot of things and luckily, like, I was raised by some brilliant women in it. So I'm, I've got the tools to be able to get out of that and, and, and navigate that with some poise to some extent, even though I'm only human. But at the same time, I want, I just want it to be communicated and and shown to the world in a way that the fans and the people that actually mess with the music, it helps them. You get me? Like, you know what? It was easier to get up today because I listened to Jaded. Do you get me? I saw, I could see, I could foresee a, the way that situation was going to go with that girl. So when I listened to Consumer Rhythm, do you get me? Or that guy when I listened to Consumer Rhythm. Yeah. Like, I felt everything that you were trying to say in Heart Race. I just want that. I want people to feel it and, and understand it and I want it to help them. I want it to look and feel, I want life to look and feel just a little bit easier. The soundtrack from a Monday to a Sunday, do you get me? And then back into the Monday, wake up and start again. How do we get here? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I just want it to help and I hope it does, mm. genuinely. I asked that question because that answer hasn't changed. From when we did the biography a few months ago to now, that answer has not changed and you've remained consistent. And since I've known you, it's always been the same thing about community impact and touching real hearts and minds as well. So I just want to say thank you for joining me here today. Thank oh, you for launching for the series with me and good luck on tour. I want everyone to give a round of applause for Shay. Thank you so much. <laughs>